0: Hello hello, everybody. Welcome to One Guy with a Mic. Dingers and Dunks, baby. Uh, welcome to Football Friday, you know, because that's what we're doing during football season. We're going to talk about some football matchups at the end of this thing and also give our predictions for the week as well. So before I start, um, before we get into Football Friday, let's talk a little about baseball, all right, because it is playoff season. And there is nothing like some good playoffs for Major League Baseball. So we saw the, this week we saw the Phillies beat the Marlins in two games. Uh, The Twins took out the Blue Jays in two games. The D-backs took out the Brewers in two two games. The Rangers took out the Rays. So now we're on to the NLDS, right? Well, what do we got for matchups in the NLDS? Well, we got the we got some division rivalries going on here. We have got Braves and Phillies. We got the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. I don't know if that's a rivalry or not, but it could start. Uh, we got uh, that's all in the NL. On the AL side, we got Houston and Minnesota. Carlos Correa going against his former team, and then you also got the Texas Rangers going against the against the Baltimore Orioles. So, um, did a Major League Baseball preview at the start of the year and. Well, the Cubs were in it for a wild card spot, and then they lost it, uh, a la 2004. If y'all have any Cubs fans out there, remember that—that's when we had a wild card, we had a division lead, had a wild card lead, and lost it all in the last week. Kind of this situation as well. Um, my two picks to make the World Series did not make the playoffs, which were the Padres and Mariners. So I guess we're gonna go back to the drawing board next year on that. I definitely did not hit as many uh, playoff teams as I did last year. Because last year I got the entire AL right. Minus, well, I shouldn't say the entire AL right because I had the Angels in there. So, minus that. Um, and I only had half the World Series right because I had the Phillies in the World Series last year. Which they didn't make. The Yankees did not. so Because they lost out to the Astros. And I didn't have the World Series winner correct because I picked the Phillies to win the World Series. So, it was... You know, it was a really good guesstimate. Let's put it that way. So let's go with this year's guesstimate, shall we? We're going to go with the, uh, I think the Twins can outlast the Astros. I really think that the Astros just finally are going to lose something. I really do. Okay. I definitely think that series goes max games. Um, Then you got the Rangers and Orioles. Definitely taking the Orioles on this one. hot team, uh, definitely the surprise of the year. And then we got on the NL I'm going to go Dodgers over D-backs and then we're going to go we're going to go Braves over Phillies. There's a lot of Braves fans that are afraid of this Phillies team really wish that they would have not been lined up against the Braves to play this play in this round because it's such a dangerous squad. But I think the the Braves really don't have a third starter. So I don't know what they're going to do with that. Hopefully, if uh, Max Freed can come back, then they have their third. They got Charlie Morton out as well. Hopefully, Morton can come back as well. So, if they can get those two guys back, I really think they have a really good chance of beating the squad. So, I'm going Phillies, and I'm going Dodgers on the other end. So, Phillies, Dodgers – or, not I'm going Braves, Dodgers. All right. So, then we'll take the Braves over the Dodgers. I think we're going to have a little Baltimore and – and Atlanta party in the World Series. But I'd really like to see, since it's been 32 years since we saw a Braves-Twins World Series, I'd really like to see that. So maybe the Twins can pull it off. I don't know. I haven't really watched much Twins baseball this year, so there's that. Um, so there's the picks that I got going on the rest of the week of the of the uh, time going for the playoffs now let's get into a little uh also oh one other note that was a huge thing as well so this is the first time since 1983 that the that the Yankees Red Sox or Cardinals were not in the playoffs right so I've been alive since July of 1982 so this is like my 42nd playoff season right um and just to put that into perspective so 83, 85, 89, and the 91, 92, 93 are only the six playoff seasons in 42 playoff seasons that I've been alive for that have never, that the Yankees, Cardinals, nor Red Sox have been a part of. That is crazy for those three teams that dominate basically 42 years of baseball. And you also got to remember that back in the 80s they only took four teams to the playoffs like it didn't get expanded until 95 is when they expanded to a wild card in three divisions before that it was two divisions and it was two yeah because you had the east and the west that was it and the AL and the NL so basically four teams made the playoffs and that was it so we've had definitely come a long ways from that so on today's show before we get into football Friday uh, I'm going to talk about the 1998, uh, MLB season. Uh, it was a season that saved baseball and because of the strike in 94, um, because of the strikes in the eighties, um, really, really wasn't, really wasn't a fan friendly game. Okay. So let's talk about the attendance numbers that are going on here. So between 1990 and in 1997 the highest attendance was for combined with 70 million people all right and that was in 1993 and 94 without with the strike happening obviously it dropped to 50 million but then out of the strike 95 was barely over was just short of 50.5 million in attendance and then in 96 it got to 60 million so in 96 97 saw increases from 60 million to 62.9 million people all right but then in this in 98 you had 70.6 million people show up which was the most for that decade um even 99 there was only 70.1 million people that showed up so you saw a lot of increases in attendance throughout that 98 season which has carried on currently as well right so, that 98 season, we saw Kerry Wood make his debut, saw Alex Gonzalez make his debut of Alex Gonzalez of the 20, 2003 Cubs that made the air that then caused the whole Bartman scene. Andre Beltre made his made his debut then. A couple of coaches made their player debut there, A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora as well. Um, so, yeah, and then we also obviously saw the home run chase and whatnot with um McGuire and Sosa as well so let's give you a few stats from that I mean I at that time in 1998 I was 16 years old my 15 to 16 year old season is what that was and I was out of baseball at that time I was just on the sidelines watching it right because I started playing softball at that time church league softball will be a fact And I almost got tossed out of two Church League softball games for arguing with the umpire. Imagine that. I also did almost get into, uh, then also a 31-year-old man wanted to beat me up through the handshake line because I turned to triple play on this as well. I was playing left field, co-ed Church League softball. I'm playing left. So, guy hits it. There's two runners on, guy hits it. So I'm running back. Try the old Willie Mays catch over the shoulder. Missed it the first time, right? So the so then next thing is up. There's again runners on first and second. Guy hits it over my head. I turn around, I'm gonna catch it over my shoulder. All I hear is their third baseman, who's in the dugout saying, "He's going over shoulder again. Everybody run." Well, okay. So I make the catch. Turn around throw a strike to second base and get the guy out at second and then we get the guy out at first as well turned out a triple play I then walked it off right ran into the dugouts giving him the old dx salute <laughs> if you know if all you wrestling fans know what I mean in a church league game so I have that pride on my uh wisdom as well so the '98 season, we saw what happened in the '98 season. Well, the New York Yankees swept the San Diego Padres in the World Series after they had won 114 regular season games. So the Yankees won 125 regular season games between the world the between the regular season and the playoffs, which is a record still. All right. We also saw the expansion of two teams with the added addition of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who's in the, um, who's actually won as many World Series in the last in their existence in the last 25 years as the Cubs have in my entire lifetime. <laughs> so there's that. I Also saw the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, who are now the Tampa Bay Rays, because apparently they had to drop the Devil Rays. I don't know. I don't understand why they dropped that, but I thought the Devil Rays was a cool logo, man. Uh, you also had the Milwaukee Brewers moved the, A, moved from the NL, AL Central to the NL Central. So the Tigers went from the AL East to the AL Central as well. The Diamondbacks were added to the West, obviously. And then um, down the road, you had the Astros move from the National League to the American League. So that way each, team, each side had 15 teams. Um, and again, the biggest story was the home run chase. That year, so Bud Selig is our commissioner at the time. Okay, uh, he was the de facto commissioner for six years before they officially made him the the uh, the official commissioner of Major League Baseball. Because up to up to that point, he was just interim and still managing the Brewers every single day. Once he became the official commissioner, then he had to put it into a trust, which then allowed his daughter to run the team. In quotations because I'm sure he was still running the team then as well. So how did that season fare? Well, you had the Na- Yankees go 114 and 48. You had the Red Sox go 92 and 70. Right? Tampa Bay double Rays in the inaugural year went 63 and 99. How have they have changed over the years? Um, that was the AL East and the AL Central. A- the Cleveland Indians at the time, now the Cleveland Guardians, they won the Central with an 89 and 73 record. As the White Sox finish second at 80 and 82, imagine that the White Sox are mediocre in '98 and still mediocre now, but they just can't hit 500. I mean, they didn't even hit 500 then, but now they're like 15 games below 500. Uh, Then you had the Rangers win the West at going 88 and 74 after a battle with the Angels at 85 and 77. All right, then over in the NL, you had the Braves went won 106 games and went 50 with 56 losses. Uh, they beat out the Mets and the Phillies that year. In the Central, you had the Astros beat, um, win the Central with 102 wins and 60 losses. And then the Cubs got uh, the wild card that year, finishing 70 and 73. Why did they play 163 games? Well, that's because the Cubs and Giants tied that year, so they had to go to a playoff. And then you had the NL West Padres winning the West. All right. With the Giants finishing 89-74. So our matchups uh, in the ALDS were the Yankees and Rangers. The Cleveland and Boston is how that worked out. In the NLDS we had the Braves and Cubs. And Houston and San Diego. Alright, well, the Yankees swept the Rangers. The Cleveland took 3 out of 4 from Boston. And then the Braves swept the Cubs after their play-in game. And then we also had Houston lose 3-1 to to San Diego. Next up, you had in the, in the league championship series, you had the Yankees 4-2 over the over Cleveland, and San Diego beat Atlanta 4-2. And then the Yankees would go on to sweep the Padres, as I said, 4-0. Now, uh, that year, we also had Baseball Hall of Fame. We had George Davis get inducted, Larry Doby, Lee McPhail, Bullitt Rogan, and Don Sutton. All got voted in that year. Uh, the Rookie of the Year winners were Kerry Wood, Ben Grieve. Uh, Cy Young Award winners was Tom Glavin and Roger Clemens for Toronto. Manager of the Years were Larry Durker and Joe Torre. MVPs were Sammy Sosa and Juan Gonzalez. Then you had your gold gloves. of Greg Maddox winning his, I don't know, 1 of 12. You had Mike Messino over in the AL. Charles Johnson was the catcher. Ivan Pudge Rodriguez won it in, in the AL. First base, you had J.T. Snow and Rafael Palmero. Second base, saw Brett Boone and Roberto Alomar. Third base was Scott Rowland, who just got inducted in the Hall of Fame this year. And Robin Ventura. Shortstop was Ray Ordonez and Omar Vizquel. Outfielders that won Gold Gloves were Barry Bonds, Larry Walker, and Andrew Jones, who, airing all three of those, two of those three are not in the Hall and should be, Bonds and Jones both should be in the Hall of Fame in the AL you had Bernie Williams Jen Edmonds and Griffey Jr. as well so there we go Tom Glavin won the Silver Slugger Award for the pitcher slash designated hitter in the AL and the NL meanwhile Jose Canseco won it over in the AL as well so outstanding designated hitter award, hitter award went to Edgar Man- Edgar Martinez and Sammy Sosa won the Roberto Clemente award that year for humanitarian relief. Also the rural AIDS relief man award, which I think they should still have this. I don't think they do though. Went to Tom Gordon and Trevor Hoffman. So that's how that went. Um, Let's see. So picture this 1998. No one's really showing up to games. All of a sudden you get into a home run derby situation all year long. I don't care if you want to say these boys are jacked up on roids, whatnot. These boys saved baseball. Alright? Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa saved baseball. Also, you got to remember, Ken Griffey Jr. was actually in this chase as well um, for a while. And he ended up getting hurt, I do believe, is how that went. Let's see if I can yeah, so in 1998, um, Ken Griffey Jr. was the AL guy that was having the awesome year. I think he ended up with like 56 home runs. It's kind of like the the '61 series when you had um, when you had uh, Maris and Mantle going after it as well, where Mantle ended up get, getting hurt, even though he was also there. So, oh, actually, I take that back. No, he was not hurt. He did play 161. Griffey did play 161 games that year. Uh, and he had 56 home runs, 146 RBIs, and 20 stolen bases. He did bat 284 with a 365 on-base percentage and 611 slugging precision percentage, which wasn't even the highest slugging percentage of his career. That was 674 back in 1994. So, so realistically, you had Ken Griffey hitting bombs. You had you had Barry Bonds hitting bond, bombs that year. I mean, there was a lot of home runs being hit. Like chicks dig the long ball. I think that was even when the commercial came out for that was um that year as well um, with. Maddox and Tom Glavin. Oh, no, I take that back. Uh, Hold on one second. I'm pretty sure it was. Let me just... That was a Nike commercial. And when Nike had their campaigns, because, again, we used to have fun commercials with our baseball players. I guess that was in 99. It was when that uh, took place after the home run. After the home run champ. So. um, But, yeah, I was, like I said, I was 15, 16 years old. Following it, obviously, because the Cubs were having a good year. Um, And, to me, that was probably the funnest year being a Cubs fan as well in my lifetime. That I can remember uh, for the simple fact that the Cubs were in a battle all year. You had Kerry Woods' 20-game strikeout as well. And then... You also had um, the playoff game. Unfortunately, before the 24 t- tw- before the 1998 season, uh, Harry Carey passed away on February 14th, so he was not able to see it. So let's just see how significant that 98 season was, all right? So you had McGuire and Sosa, both had over 61 home runs. McGuire finished with 70, Sosa with 66. Um... It is, there were several players that had come close in the years before 98. Uh, you had Matt Williams and Ken Griffey Jr. were both on pace to break Maris's record in 94 before the strike happened. Uh, then you had, in 95, Albert Bell became the first player since Cecil Phileter hit 50 home runs in a season. And then Bell was the only the fourth player in previous three decades to reach 50 home run milestone, uh, besides Foster and Mays. And then in 96, we saw Brady Anderson hit 50 home runs, which was twice the number he ever hit in his entire career. So, and then you had 97, which featured McGuire and Griffey. As well, McGuire finished with 58 home runs. And then uh, Griffey finished with 56. So, um, we had in May... He had, or I should say in June, Sosa would catch up. He, uh, he hit thirteen. He had 13 home runs entering, entering the month of June, and then Sosa decided to go off. Uh, he had his first of four multi-home run games in that month on June 1st. And then he would go on to break Rudy York's record with 20 home runs in the month of June, a record that still stands. Uh, by the end of the historic month, the outfielder's total was 33, and he was only four behind McGuire. So basically, in June, Sosa heated up, and that's when the race really started. They were remain competitive throughout July, and then uh, in August, it saw McGuire go on an eight-game home run drought, and then, which had led his uh, lead down dwindle down to two, just two above Sosa, and Griffey was right behind there with 41. Um, and then, hitting all three home runs over the next 10 days, his pace at the end of August would be 61.9 for McGuire. Sosa, meanwhile, had followed up his 20 home runs in June with a combined 22 for July and August. And then at the end of the month, however, the two sluggers were locked in at 55 home runs, putting them on pace for about 65. For the first time in 37 years, leaving the single season home run home record in imminent jeopardy they're also one short of hack williams national league record at this point though griffey is already 47 home runs well behind the pace needed to break maris's record so like i said griffey would go and go ahead and finish 56 which then that would be the most home runs hit by a al player until aaron judge decided to hit 62 last year and break maris's al record uh, McGuire would begin September with four home runs in the first two games against the Marlins, and then he his September fifth home run set the stage for one of baseball's classics moments. As he sat on sixty home runs entering a two game set against the Cubs, McGuire hit a home run against Mike Morgan that went four hundred and thirty feet, which became which was the sixty first home run of the season. And then on the next day, on a nationally televised game, he decided to take Steve Traxel deep on a 341 foot home run. It was the shortest home run of the season, not only for McGuire, but also for all of baseball. He'd break the record on that. And then that ball didn't even make it to the stands and was caught by a member of the grounds crew. Um, Then, uh, then they would go ahead and pause the game. Mark McGuire, Mark McGirt and Mark Grace was playing first base They shared a half hug and high five around it. Like I said, they did pause the game for this for celebration. And then after that, McGuire would go six consecutive games without a home run, allowing Sosa to hit his 62th home run um, after hitting four games and only three games against the Brewers. And then the two battled back for the rest of the year for the all-time lead. The last time they retired was on September 25th. Um, Sosa hit a 462 pit. 62-foot home run off of Jose Lima for his 66th, and that would be the last of his year, of the year. McGuire would hit five home runs against five different pitchers during a Cardinals host stand against Expos, who are now the Washington Nationals, and then set the 70, 70 mark with a 370-foot home run off Carl Pavano. So, that is how that finished. Um... The Cardinals went 83 and 79 that year. Meanwhile, like I said, the Cubs finished 90 and 73. Uh, Sosa also hit 308 that year with 66 home runs and he had 158 RBIs. Meanwhile, McGuire did hit 299 with 70 home runs and 147 RBIs as well. And then that record would stand until, obviously, Barry Bonds broke it in 2001. And then also is you have the steroid controversy and everything else. And which I don't believe. Yeah, here's the deal with steroids, as I've said many times on this show before, is that they let you recover faster. They let you build muscle. But you still got to be able to hit a curveball. You still got to be able to hold a 97-mile-an-hour ma- fastball on the corner as well. Um, guys, want to say the easiest pitch to hit is a 97-mile-an-hour fastball down the middle or the hardest pitch, I should say, is a 97-mile-an-hour fastball down the middle. I'm sorry. I'm guessing the corner pitchers are probably harder. So, obviously, you have the Mitchell Report and everything else. But from 1998, baseball has grown in attendance. So, from 2000 to 2010, you saw an increase in attendance. Um... Amongst all of them, you also saw expansion as well um, going forward. Um, You had the biggest, largest crowd ever with 115,000 people at an MLB game in 2008 as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's just slowly gone up. You saw... So baseball has basically bounced back. They are now a 9 to 12 billion dollar industry, and we still want to play the still want to complain about player salaries even though and then even though the billionaires are making way more than the millionaires that are playing the game. So now there we have it. There's your there is your fun times for the 98 MLB season. Lots of home runs, lots of fun, um, and it brought baseball back to what it was, which is always a good thing. If I, to me, the reason why I talk about baseball the most, as I've said, it's probably one of the games that I love the most from the just the intricacies of it. Um, I probably pronounced that word totally wrong, so y'all can shoot me later. Um, but baseball is just it's the national pastime. And I get it that that's not how we see it now. We don't see it as the national pastime because we have football because, you know, baseball or basketball is more exciting. People want to complain about the pitch clock, all the changes that we did that major league baseball did this year. But at the same time, by making those changes, um, by doing those changes, it sped the game up. There is, there's, Only nine games that lasted longer than three hours this year. The average time of a game this year was two hours and thirty-six minutes. Like that's that's important when you're trying to grow your game and make sure you have people that they're that are going to be there to watch it. Like people don't want to go to a baseball game and sit there for three and a half hours. And I get that some of us do. I mean, I don't have a problem going through and sitting there for three and a half hours for a baseball game because. I'm there for the game. I'm there for the atmosphere. I'm there for, for the excitement. The um, There's so much mental uh, gamesmanship going through between the pitcher and the batter, between the two coaches, that, it, that you're just not going out there and, like, designing schemes like you do in football or designing plays like in basketball um, to get things done. Like, you have to look at analytics plays a part of it, but you can't live by the analytics either you also have to realize that hey we're playing a game and we need to make sure that if our pitchers pitching like great like Jose Barreras was against the the twins and they pulled him after three innings keep him in the game let him pitch I know the days of Randy Johnson coming in to close to save a game after pitching day before or Jack Morris going all all 10 innings against the Braves or Tom Glavin going all 10 game, you know, I understand though. I understand those pitchers aren't here every single day. And we do say, Oh, starters are going to go six or seven, or we put a limit on it, but reality it's playoff baseball. Let's get it done. All right. So what do we got going on for the NFL this week? Well, our Thursday night matchup was the commanders and bears. I'm guessing the commanders won. just saying, um, then on sunday morning at 8 30 in the a.m we have the bills jaguars sorry there's no toys toy story game this week they are not doing that apparently this weekend however that was a lot of fun um then you have the texans falcons oh by the way i'm going bills over jaguars then you got the texans falcons man has D'Amico ryan's really turned that texans team texans team around or what so I'm taking taking Texans or the Falcons because Desmond Ritter just looks horrible. Uh, then you got the Lions, Panthers. Panthers are going to stay. Oh, Gotta go move to 0 5 as the Lions are just the strongest team in the NFC North right now. Then you got the Titans, Colts. This is a 50 50 matchup in my eyes. Um, it all depends on which Derrick Henry we get. Uh, last week I benched Derrick Henry on my fantasy team and lost by two points. Thanks Raheem Mossert. So, I'm, but I'm taking the Titans over the Colts this week. You got the Dolphins, Giants. Dolphins put up 70 points one week. Turn around put up 20 points the next week. Yeah, you guys have a real identity crisis there. So, I'm taking Dolphins over Giants. Giants are not turning out to be the team I thought they were going to be. I thought Daniel Jones would be stopping up and making his plays, but apparently he's not. Uh, the Saints, Patriots. So, I got to go. The Patriots is my cousin Travis's favorite team the Saints is Breanne's favorite team, the Misses' favorite team, and I'm going Patriots on this because the Saints have Derek Carr as quarterback, and as a Raider fan, I know how crappy of a quarterback he is. Um, Next up, you got the Ravens and Steelers. Obviously, the Ravens, that defense is going to eat. Can he pick it up if he plays? If he doesn't play, then that defense is eating Mitch Trubisky. Uh, then you got the Eagles and Rams taking the Eagles. Cooper Cup might play in this game, but I don't think that's going to make it different because the Eagles are still just on a different level in the NFC. Next up, you got a battle of one and three teams. You got the Bengals and the Cardinals. I'm going Cardinals on this one um, for the simple fact that Joe Burrow is playing with a hurt calf and does not look like Joe Burrow from last year. And even even then, I am benching him on my fantasy team as well. Can't play Jimmy G though because he's hurt. So now I'm left with Josh Dobbs. All right. Next up, we got to cut another couple one and three teams. You got the Broncos and Jets, uh, and I'm taking the Broncos at home on this against the Jets. I really think that uh, Sean Payton has made a, an example. Uh, he they just cut Randy Gregory loose, and he even though he signed a four year like I don't know sixty million dollar deal or some crap like that, he was getting paid a lot to do a little. Um, so he's just proved a point that hey. Guess what? Y'all better step up because I'm afraid to cut you just because you make a lot of money. Then you got the three another three o'clock game is going to be the Chiefs Vikings that looked pretty good on paper for a while and now the Vikings have showed their true colors. So obviously Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are going to win that. And then you have the great you have the great matchup of Sunday Night Football Cowboys Niners first time they've been in a primetime matchup since like 1990 which during the regular season, which is kind of crazy to me because I remember in the 90s how it was just Cowboys-Niners all the time. Um, I'm taking the home team here. The Niners-Cowboys offense just doesn't look good. Two great defenses, though, so it's probably going to be a low-scoring game. And then as a Raiders fan, this is the crapshoot of the Monday night game. If they, could, they couldn't pick out a worse Monday night game than this one right here. But it's the bat, the Green Bay Packers versus the Raiders in Vegas. I'm going with the Raiders on it, not because, you know, I think the Raiders can win or that they're my favorite team. Just don't think the Packers are that great. So, and I also think that's going to be a low-scoring game as well. So there's the highlights of that. Over in college football, we have some of the top 25 games for college football um, this weekend Is you got Georgia versus I think they're playing Mississippi State. Let me pull it up here. Let's see schedule. Let's see. So we got Georgia versus Kentucky. Sorry, not Mississippi State. Georgia versus Kentucky at six o'clock on ESPN. That's Central Time. Uh, You got Bama versus A and M. That's going to be a good matchup. As my my guy, Mister Jason. Pick boss man always says, in the SEC go with the home team. So I'm taking AM on that one. Uh, in the Red River rivalry, which is at 11 o'clock, you got Oklahoma versus Texas. Um, every blowout since, I don't know, I don't know, forever, I guess, is Texas has only blown out Oklahoma one time, and that was 49 to nothing. So I'm going Oklahoma in this one. And that means, Spencer, you'll be seeing the Dupree jersey on Saturday. You got – also in the SEC, you got LSU versus an undefeated Missouri team. Um, I'm going LSU on that one. In the Big Ten, you got a battle of undefeateds, Maryland and Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State by a lot. Out in the pack, west, out in the pack, you got Washington State versus UCL as the, UCLA as the game of the week. Uh I'm definitely gonna go uh, Washington State until you prove me otherwise. Uh, Let's see, you got Notre Dame versus Louisville. That's a good matchup. Um, Take Notre Dame on that one. Louisville's undefeated at five and zero, though. So, yeah, I mean, it's not really, it's not really. It's some good games out there, but let's see what's outside the top twenty-five for games, shall we? Um, we got a four and one records team versus Wisconsin. Uh, let's see. We got Florida State going to go beat the crap out of Vatek. Uh, that'll be fun. Um, here's a here's a Big Ten game that you probably want to be interested in watching: Iowa and Purdue, a four and one Iowa team versus a two and three Purdue t- Purdue team, and Iowa's only favored by two points, and that's also given the home team discount of five, as well. So there's that. I I have no favorite team while playing this week, as UNLV has the week off. So if you want a little Mac action, or uh, not Mac action, uh, you want a little Mountain West action, uh, Colorado State, Utah State, and uh, San Jose State, Boise State. Boise State's definitely going to trounce them. If you want a little Mountain West action. Or, yeah, ooh, actually here's the better, better game. Fresno State, Wyoming. It's on 7 o'clock, and they'll be on Fox. That is the way better game. Mountain West game than the two I just told you. So, um, hey, as always, I'm gonna wrap this up. It's been 37 minutes. I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing my voice. No, you guys love me. Um, so, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, make sure to uh, hit that like button, hit that follow button, hit the uh, bell so we get notified of when when we drop these. Uh, I'm trying again. We're trying to get back into it and dropping it every week. So. With that said, thanks for listening. Check me out if if you're a first time first timer here. Hope you come back. If you're a long timer here, thanks for thanks for being a a grand listener. And you all have a great day.